2: The Michael Reid Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie
3: LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartman Cross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Carrickmacross Credit Union likes to say I do when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Carrickmacross, Macross or CarrickMacrossCU.ie
4: Wednesday morning the 22nd of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LNFM. In fact we have one of the busiest programmes of the year in store for us this morning and we'll get straight down to business with Brexit because the British Prime Minister has put new proposals to MPs. They're very complicated and she says it's either accept her proposals or Brexit is off the table. I've been asking Micheál Martin, the leader of Fianna Fáil for his thoughts on this.
5: Yeah, I think it's a very difficult situation and it seems to me that um true as British Prime Minister is not now in the position Uh, to get any set of proposals through, given the fact that there's a succession race on within her own party uh, to succeed her, uh, and that reduces her leverage and her capacity. So at at this particular point, uh, given, as you say, the complex nature of the proposals, um, I think it's going to take more time, and I think we're going to have to await a successor to Theresa May, which potentially... Uh, could even make the situation more difficult in terms of Brexit itself. And uh, that is why I think in the context of the European elections, it is important um, that we do send to the European Parliament um, serious, experienced and uh, pro-European Union uh, members who would seek to limit the damage of Brexit to Ireland. Because I am worried that the prospects of a harder Brexit now looms. Mm. Uh, given the fact that the Brexit party in Britain seems to be doing well in the European elections, that could radicalise opinion within the British Conservative Party, and all of that could lead to unintended hardening uh, of, of, of Brexit proposals. We have to wait and see, obviously, yeah. but the indications now are that Theresa May isn't going to do it. And uh, that's why I think, as I say, the European elections are significant in, in, in the context of Brexit.
4: Which is in line, I think, with government thinking, isn't it? Uh, Mrs May seems to be saying to MPs uh, to either approve her deal or cancel Brexit. Uh, but the Irish government uh, and yourself, Michal Martin, appear to be saying uh, that uh, the chances now of Brexit are greater and indeed not just Brexit but the UK crashing out without a deal.
5: I think so. Um, And now it remains to be seen how the British Labour Party react to the results of the... British Parliamentary, European Parliamentary elections. Um, But my sense is that uh, uh, there seems to be reports that even those who voted for the withdrawal treaty last time out uh, could actually vote against it now uh, because of the additional uh, recommendations that Theresa May has put into her set of proposals Um, and that people may await the election of a successor to Theresa May in the British Parliament uh, before coming down hard on any position. But it seems to me that that we're heading towards. Uh, hardening of positions uh, in and around the Brexit issue because of the, both the impact of the local elections and the impact of the European Parliamentary elections. Now that said, there is a significant volume of opinion in Britain that still supports Remain, uh, but they don't seem as organised or as cohesive as the forces that are pushing um, a, a Brexit and in particular a hard Brexit. And that has implications for the border counties uh, because of, of the border and the economic impact and the danger to the Seamless movement of trade, people, and goods and services. And you know, Brendan Smith, as, as a colleague of mine, has been consistent in pointing out to me uh, the real dangers to the northwest and to the border counties in terms of economy of the econ- economy of the area, the agri-food industry, the small to medium-sized companies that move you know across the border on a regular basis, and that also export to Britain. Uh, and the ESRI and the Department of Finance are saying essentially uh, that it's the northwest will suffer the most, and the border counties will. Suffer suffer the most uh, as a result of that and, and, and hence the importance of the European parliamentary elections.
4: Do you think there's there's any merit in Mrs May's proposal as you understand it at the moment that Taoiseach was saying on television last night, uh, that on the face of it, without seeing the detail of the proposal, he felt that it might work uh, and she seems to be saying that if accepted, then the United Kingdom would stay in some sort of a, a customs arrangement or within a temporary customs union until the next general election, uh, and that MPs would get a vote on the arrangement itself, and if it should be ratified by uh, another referendum. Uh, and indeed, when it comes to the backstop, she's saying that there would be a backstop, but that she'd legislate so as to ensure that Northern Ireland would never leave the United Kingdom. Uh, how can all of that work?
5: Well, you see. If we had a strong Prime Minister who was secure of her position, uh, there could be possibilities in in, in those range of proposals. Uh, The problem is, does Theresa May have the capacity to bring with her um, a majority in the, in the British House of Commons, and indeed a majority within her own party, mm. uh, and the fact that she's on for, you know, for her, she's on the way out. Uh, she's giving has given a timetable. Uh, that means basically she doesn't have the leverage uh, to persuade MPs to go with her. Now maybe the, the, if the British Labour Party um, acquiesced and the fact that there's a potential of a second vote uh, and that there would be an, a temporary customs union, although we'd like to see a more permanent form of a customs union with Britain because that ultimately is what, is what would uh, help us in the border counties in particular and help us in the in the country as a whole. But that remains to be seen how the Labour Party is going to respond to this. But the indications, just listening this morning on reports from London, the indications are that Theresa May, Right now, and that could change, doesn't seem to have the capacity to get these proposals through uh, Parliament. And there are even no suggestions she might get to even put the proposals.
4: Would it be helpful uh, if she stood down government. now or moved to, to a general election?
5: Well, I, I think, in my view, I've been, I've been of a view for some time since the votes again in relation to our set of proposals and the withdrawal treaty have been in the negative now on so many occasions that uh, her position is untenable from that perspective and also the prospect of a general election could clear the year but we don't know that now because of course uh, the local elections gave it was a seismic shift against the Tories the, the Labour didn't make any great gains and uh, so there may mm. be a fear amongst the mainstream parties and the British House of Commons to go for a general election. Are are you saying
4: it would be helpful if she uh, took a a, a move uh, in that direction now either to step down or go to a general election? She's
5: going to step down in early June anyway. Mm. So I think, in my view, to bring clarity, uh,
4: it
5: it would be, at this stage, the best thing to do. And even a general election could bring some clarity because at the moment um, there, there, there is no sense of a majority coming through the House of Commons in favour of a particular set of proposals and we're in a stalemate situation I think we we do need and that may mean a further extension to the 31st of October uh, or else the successor to Theresa May needs to uh, become pragmatic very quickly the signs are we're looking at a Brexit here and as I say to you that's why I think we need experienced people. Um,
4: mm-hmm. And I'd like in, in to talk to you about that yeah. uh, because time is getting the better of us uh, and uh, we're in the closing days of uh, the campaign. Uh, you're hoping uh, to at least have one MEP for this region. Uh, there's uh, the possibility uh, that the strategy to run two candidates will result uh, in none. Uh, tell us your feelings uh, uh, about the importance of this campaign from Fianna Falls' point of view, the European and local elections, uh, what do you hope for in terms of Gains, if there are to be gains, and what it means for me, Martin, if there's not.
5: Well, first of all, I think the the, the um, I, I don't accept the the the, the view that's being articulated by some that the two candidate strategy um, is, is a mistake. It's a huge constituency from Donegal right through Leinster right down to Galway, um, and we have Brendan Smith and Anne Rabbit, two, 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 two good quality uh, experienced candidates, and. Uh, I, I don't know whether you saw the debate last night, but I thought Brendan Smith in particular showed his experience, showed his knowledge of the European issues and of the border counties and as the former Minister for Agriculture. I think he, uh, you know, he was the architect of the blueprint Food uh, uh, Food Harvest 2020, which became the blueprint for the, the, the last 10 years in terms of how we developed the agriculture industry. And he was also very involved in, in, in the largest investment ever in Irish agriculture in terms of environmental supports to farmers to enhance their environmental performance and that hence Ireland is probably one of the most carbon efficient in terms of uh, both dairy and beef industries relative to other agriculture and industries. So I thought Brenda did it particularly well last night, uh, as did others, uh, and I think it was probably one of the better debates we've had of the three debates. Um, so I think we're in a very strong position uh, to win a seat in this constituency. I think Anne Rabbit will do very well in Galway. Uh, and I think, um, uh, you know, I... I, I the, the European elections are more important for the people than, than for Fianna Fáil. I don't t- see it as a part, you know, in that sense. I think that's why I would like to see someone of Brendan's experience uh, getting to the European Parliament because in the Brexit situation that we've just discussed it's dangerous for Ireland and I think we need m- members who are pro-European Union and who will stay the course for the four years because it was clear from last night's debate for example that Matt Cartier of Sinn Féin would hardly be 12 months in the European Parliament because he has been nominated as a Sinn Féin candidate for the general election uh, and, um, and, and he He's, in, you know, he's, he's declared as their candidate for the general election. There possibly will be a general election within the next 12 months. Um, and that would mean he'd only be an MEP for a year. Um, and so, who are people voting for?
4: Okay, we'll we'll voting have for Brennan Smith and Matt Carthy here together undoubtedly to thrash that it out tomorrow. Be, yes, yep. and I think.
5: But it wasn't clear last night. And I, I think the fact that he was nominated as a candidate speaks for itself as a Sinn Féin general election candidate. Everybody knows he will be the Sinn Féin general election candidate. He hasn't denied it. And I think that's a serious issue. So, you need to elect people are going to be there for the full four years and uh, people need to make a declaration that they'll be there for the full term of the european parliament uh before fr- uh, friday that that's a basic ready uh, candidate to say look i'm going to see this through for the full length of the of of, of, of the next period to the next european election of five years time mm-hmm. uh brenda smith's very clear on that and rabbit is very clear on that and so are the other candidates i think also um, you know, as I said earlier, we need candidates who are pro-European Union and who are pro-jobs. And I, I just sensed from the debate last night, we had a number of candidates uh, who were against, for example, multinational industries in this country, who, who were attacking what they called the international corporations. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, multinationals apply about 300,000 in the country, and a lot of small to medium-sized companies um, have co- contracts with those multinationals, supplied services and facilities and equipment and goods to those companies. So it's not one or the other. It's an integral part of our modern economy uh, that we've been in a position to attract foreign direct investment into the country. And I thought Sinn Féin and some of the independents like Ming and Peter Casey were attacking that concept. Well, Not so much Peter Casey on that one, but it certainly Ming and, 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 and um, others on the panel were attacking the idea um, that that uh, you know the multinationals somehow were getting away with too much in Ireland. The bottom line is we, we have to compete internationally for for jobs against Singapore against Switzerland. I've been a minister for enterprise okay. uh, and our tax and rate was important in doing that. And, and, and
4: a- as time is getting the better of us, uh, perhaps yeah. we'll leave the debate on those issues yeah, to okay, the candidates sure. who'll be with us uh, in studio tomorrow. But uh, in terms of numbers, uh, uh, have you got a, a bottom line? It, it, will Fianna Fail hold its own, and if not, what does that mean for you?
5: We will hold our own in the local elections. I think we'll do very well in the local elections, actually, particularly, I think, in Loud and and in Meath. Um, and I think we have some very exciting new candidates. I'm not going to go through all the lists because there are too many to, to, to go through. Uh, but the, the reports back from the campaign, Thomas Bourne was saying to me uh, last night that he was very positive in terms of the feedback um, across uh, County Mead and Loud um, in terms of the reaction on the doorstep, the fact that we have a good mix of good quality outgoing councillors with new candidates. Okay. Uh, and I think, you know, we're confident about the local elections, but we, what our objective is to consolidate... The, the significant gains we made five years ago.
4: We'll leave it there for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Michael Martin.
5: Thank you very much indeed. The-
3: Michael, Michael
4: Reed, Reed on LMFM. We've uh, a local Europe, uh, local election debate today and two big European election debates uh, tomorrow. But otherwise, uh, we'll be hearing uh, the last canvas from a lot of the parties on uh, the programme uh, today. Eamon Ryan, uh, the leader of uh, the Green Party, joins us now. And uh, a very good morning to you. And thank you for joining us uh, in uh, the closing moments of uh, this election campaign. What does it mean for the Green Party?
6: Oh, it's hugely important for us to, to kind of deepen our roots right across the country. Um, it's really important for us. We want to double our representation in local councils and we want to return to Europe. Uh, maybe if I could just take Europe first, because there's a real tight battle in Europe. Uh, the Greens are doing really well across Europe. We have a green wave, and and we think we might hold the balance of power. And if we can add uh, Irish MEPs to that total, I think it, it's 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 not an insignificant. Uh, I don't know, Michael. Did did you see that debate on RT Primetime last night? You know mm, the. I did yeah. The, mm-hmm. Uh, I I know, but I'm biased now because I'm (laughs) obviously biased. She's a friend and a colleague. But I thought Saoirse McHugh knocked it out of the park. Uh, And we always knew she would because she's a remarkable young woman. And she's from as far away as Dundalk as you can get and still be in Ireland. Uh, She's from the furthest west point in Ackle. But to be honest, I think she spoke for everyone last night in saying we we don't want to we we don't want to just demean other people coming to this country i think she was brilliant when she spoke about that but i've also heard her speak she's a farmer she's a scientist she's a lifeboat woman she's she's just got great energy and i think her contribution last night is indicative of what she could be as an MEP.
4: And Indeed, I, we met her in here not so long ago and uh, right, I she thought she was, was show, great show. last night. In fact, I thought they were all great last night, in fairness, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm not I allowed to say otherwise. Mihal Martin I, was just telling me a moment ago he thought Brendan Smith won the debate. Yeah, no, but I, I tell you, none of the other candidates are
6: 35 to 1 on Paddy Power at the moment. And if I'm not a I'm terrible, I'm not a bet man, shouldn't be encourage anyone to bet. But the only time you've to, I'm told you should ever bet is when you think the odds aren't a fair reflection of what the chances are. And I think her chances are a lot higher than those odds would indicate. And I think particularly after last night, when people got a chance to see what sort of candidate she is. So I think she has a real chance.
4: Would she, would she do better if there was less interest in green issues? Uh, because it seems as though everybody uh, is uh, intending to tackle climate change and to reduce waste and so on, regardless of uh, their political beliefs.
6: I, I don't mind that at all. I, people say, are you worried that other parties will steal your clothes? We've been waiting 40 years, Michael, for people to start picking up our clothes and wearing them. And, and we've got such a challenge because in that 40 years of not doing what needs to be done, not protecting our nature our natural system, not addressing climate change, we've actually made the crisis all the bigger and, and, and the scale of the leap you have to make all the higher. So we need all parties on board we need to we can lead it we've a 40 years head start in other parties and thinking about how we do it but I don't have the problem at all. This, this election, we've been saying it is a climate election. It's a chance for the Irish people to say we're sick and tired of being described as laggards. We're not laggards. We're ready to lead. And we can and we'll be good at this. I was up in Dundalk last weekend or last week. I was speaking at a conference that Engineers Ireland were organising. And I was saying at that, which I think is true, that the North East in particular could be a hotspot spot. For this new industrial revolution, if you look at the companies and the people who've been doing things up in the northeast, look back to uh, DIT uh, and the, the skills that they have in this transition. If you look at companies like Glen, Glen, Glen Dimplex or Moffat Engineering or Kingspan, I, I mm-hmm. could go on. Like we have real resources in making this transition, particularly in the North East. So all aboard everyone, the more parties that saying that they're they're committed to making the leap, the better as far as I'm concerned It's
4: not that long ago since uh, you sat uh, around the cabinet table with Hall Martin uh, Do you think you've been forgiven?
6: Uh, I don't know to be honest, that, that's not my kind of... Uh, perspective i mean being a government's tough you have to make tough decisions it was particularly tough in our time we were there uh, at a financial crisis which wasn't of our making a property bubble which we were the one people party maybe had been calling it out we had to manage when it blew up but but to be honest i i think you you learn from that you learn from your mistakes as well as the things you got right and then you have to apply it into okay what you want to do next and i suppose i think this election just to flick back if i can to the local level because um, we have that experience now. We, we do know how the systems work, how government works and how local government works. And no more than anywhere else in Loud County Council. I mean, Loud actually was one of the areas where we were able to keep our councillors, um, Marianne Butler and uh, Mark Deary, and even in the darkest times. And I think what, we're have, what we have now is Across the country, we have it. We've got the likes of searsha young people coming through, and we've seen it in in loud as well. The likes of owen Daily, the likes of Sean Connolly joining Marianne in, in running on our ticket there. It's, it, there's a new generation of young Green politicians who can draw on the experience of those who've gone before them. But at the same time, they're, they, to be honest, they were hard. They couldn't even vote back in that time when we were in government, let alone. Be involved. So
7: mm. we have
6: a whole new generation of people who are really have a sense of urgency and a sense of commitment. I think we're going to surprise people. I think we're going to do well in these elections on Friday. No, nothing certain. If people want green out there, if if what I say is true, that people in the heart or hearts there, they're going kind to of think. And you know what? We do want this country not to be a laggard, but we want to be a leader on uh, on the likes of protecting nature around us okay. and tackling climate change. I think if they do think that then they have to vote Green No. 1 on Friday and I'm, I'm hopeful they will.
4: Just before you leave us, uh, I was speaking with Michael Martin a, a moment ago about Brexit uh, which is obviously very important and very much back in uh, the news now and he was saying that despite Theresa May's plans to step down in June it would be helpful if she stepped down now or went for a general election because the proposals she's putting forward are not workable and he believes that there is uh, all the more chance of a crash out a hard Brexit, uh, uh, Brexit without a deal. What are your thoughts on that?
6: I think there is, I mean to be honest I look across the sea and I just it worries me. The breaking down of their political system the kind of collapse of confidence in their democratic and other institutions is something that is of no small consequence to us and is of real concern and I think I don't think it's possible to play out what way the Brexit thing will go one way or the other. We obviously Is it
4: Would it be helpful, though, if Mrs May stood down so that we could get on with it?
6: I think it's probably heading to an election one way or the other. I think it's more likely the election will be in the September period, because I think they'll go through their own leadership change. Boris Johnson or whoever will come in will promise the Earth, Moon, Stars, not be able to deliver it. And then a general election will be called. Are they better to have that now rather than September? I'll be honest, I can't call that. But I think we should be tightening our safety belts. It's going to be a rough ride ahead because of what's going on over there.
4: Okay, well we've uh, a number of votes uh, to deal with ourselves uh, before we think about that but thank you for joining us uh, this morning in advance of Friday's elections. Eamon Ryan is the leader of the Green Party. Now this Wednesday morning you can go to your local news agent and pick up your local newspaper. Marie Kearns has done that. She has the front pages with us here this morning and you're going to tell us what they're reporting on beginning in Mead with the Chronicle.
8: That's right. It's a very scary story that makes the front page of the Mead Chronicle today, Michael. As well-known farmer, cyclist and former RTE radio presenter PJ Nolan tells how lucky he is he is to be alive after he was attacked close to his home near Navin in what has been described as a road rage attack. I won't go into all the details here, Michael. Get the paper, have a read, but it really is a shocking incident. Meanwhile... Unless you be living on another planet, you'll know that there is a matter of the local elections on Friday. And the Me Chronicle today have a special election pullout Uh, looking at the big issues affecting the six electoral areas and profiling all 77 candidates battling it out for the 40 council seats there. So I'll be bringing that to bed with me tonight. Michael, have a good good.
4: read. uh, The Drahada leader also leads with the local elections.
8: Yeah, I'm not so sure if they're leading with it because I didn't get a copy of the actual paper but I got a look at some of the stories uh, and they're talking about Fianna Falls housing spokesperson, Darren O'Brien who was in Drogheda during the week with the elections and, and all of that and the and he's has expressed his commitment to building the port access northern cross route. Michael, which you know, has been a long time waiting, mm. but he's pledging that commitment from Fianna Fall because it has planning permission for, for four thousand homes in Drahta. Meanwhile, the papers also given given prominence to the great news that a driving test centre has been announced for Drahta.
4: Okay, so all good mm. news
8: election stories there Michael well
4: there's plenty of good news uh, in Drogheda it would seem reading uh, The Independent this week
8: yes wouldn't you love to be one of those lucky lotto winners and that makes the front well, page of think The Drogheda enough? Independent I, well you wouldn't be sitting across from here now Michael I don't <laughs> <Okay>. think <laughs> I think you'd be gone <laughs> well gone uh, but anyway yes they're focusing on that uh, lotto win 6 million that was sold the ticket was sold of course in Tesco Extra but also making the news in The Drogheda Independent is the protection of bats, Michael. That's mm. been highlighted in a story by Fiona McGuinness, who's reporting that a large-scale project of restoration and upgrade works planned for the historic Tonesville building right in the centre of town must make provisions to protect the rare species of bat nestling in the building.
4: Okay, a uh, story of great determination making for the front page of uh, the Dundalk Democrats.
8: Really is Michael, some people never fail to amaze me. Mitsen to Malin Head for Mark is the headline story there of the Democrat, but while cycling 380 miles might be a daunting prospect for most of us, now imagine doing it propelled slowly by your arms using a hand bike because this is what a dog resident Mark Nugent is going to be doing despite suffering a spinal cord injury when he was knocked off his bike in 2016. Despite this life-changing accident, inspirational Mark is hoping to raise money for, for Spinal Injuries Ireland and Breast Cancer Ireland. So best of luck to him mm. on that, Michael.
4: Okay, surprisingly little mention of gangs or drugs or violence this week in uh, the local papers. so far Let's put that right, the Argus now.
8: Yes, that leads with a direct appeal two communities across Laod to cooperate with Gardaí in the war on drug-related violence which was made by the Minister for National Drug Strategy, Catherine Byrne during the visit to Dundalk during the week she was speaking to Olivia Ryan of the Argus about the ongoing incidents in both Dundalk and Drogheda and how addressing the threat of drug-related intimidation wasn't simply a challenge for politicians or Gardaí alone, that communities need to be open to cooperating with the Gardaí in their area on the work that is being done and the Minister wasn't in Dundalk, Michael, to launch a report by the Family Addiction Support Net- Network, who work with families facing threats from drug dealers.
4: Okay, and somewhat uh, related to yes, petrol bomb, uh, making right. the front page of the leader. That's
8: right, it's reporting that two people were lucky to escape uninjured after a petrol bomb was thrown through the window of their house in Mohebhamer Moor on Sunday evening. Sinn Féin's councillor, Rory Amour, who is describing the attack as a reckless act and has called for an increase in resources locally to tackle these type of incidents.
4: Alright, well people might want to comment on some of those uh, stories a great variety of stories Uh, and you'll be taking calls along with Maggie now and coming back to us after the debate this morning with some of uh, the comments if people do want to comment on those stories something else they've been hearing or if they want to raise an issue with us as always our telephone number is 1850 715 958 Michael Reed
3: on on LMFM
4: This Friday you're being asked to vote in uh, the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce in uh, the referendum you're being asked to make two Two changes to the Constitution by answering yes or no to just one question. The result will abolish the existing requirement for a couple to have lived apart for four out of the last five years in order to legally qualify for divorce or not. The second change will make it easier for the state to recognise foreign divorces or or not. We're joined by Brian Flanagan, who's a spokesperson for the Catholic Association who is going to ask you to vote no to this proposal on Friday, and also by the Minister for Justice, Charlie Flanagan, who is asking you to vote yes on Friday. Good morning to both of you, and thank you indeed. Minister, first of all, why should people vote yes on Friday?
9: Um, Because I believe this is a modest proposal uh, to deal with a particular difficulty that's adding trauma, uh, upset, uh, and ongoing dissatisfaction for people who are in the course of a divorce. Uh, it's modest uh, but it has the support of the Fine Gael Party the Fianna Fáil Party, the Sinn Féin Party, Labour, the Social Democrats People for Profit, various independent members of the Oireachtas. So this is a consensus position that's been put to the people and that's why I'm asking people to vote yes.
4: But Minister do we know how modest the proposal is? Because you're saying that you will legislate uh, so that people will have to be separated for two years, but that can change in time if this is taken out of the Constitution, can't it?
9: It's it's a modest proposal because merely what we're asking people to do is to vote to reduce the separation period from four out of the last five years to two out of the preceding three years. And to give that power to the Oireachtas, uh not something we believe should be in the Constitution, rather something that should be in our laws. People vote for the politicians uh, every four or five years. We are the representatives of the people. As I said, this is something that is... Largely non-contentious, has the support of all parties, uh, and we believe that this is authority that should be given to the Dáil rather than have it in our constitution.
4: Brian Flanagan, you disagree with uh, the Minister. Why do you believe people should vote no on Friday?
10: I believe they vote on Friday to protect their rights, their basic rights, which the government are going to take from them by taking uh, the power that they have to hold the government in check, which is what the Constitution is about. It's about constraining the powers of government, which can go in various directions from, from uh, different, different terms to different terms. And uh, a fundamental right like the right to your marriage and the strength of the institution and and the strength of it to protect your family, your children, above all, your children and your spouse. uh, That should not be given over to the vagaries of government. And uh, that's what it's all about here. You're giving up power to a very ephemeral government who had only 16% of the vote last time around. Shingil got only 16% of, not of the vote, sorry, of the electorate of Ireland. Then they want to change the constitution yet again. If I might ask uh, the Minister... Uh, why uh, well, stop it at two years? Why not wipe it out altogether? I mean, uh, you chose as a Fine government four years when you brought it in in ninety six. Why bring it down to just two? Why not, why not wipe it out altogether if it's a modest? Okay,
4: acceptable? the minister may wish to respond to that or or, or not in a but moment. Do, but but, but um, well, just, well, just if I could opinion, if I could ask uh, Brian Flanagan a, because he I, he's I, suggesting that this would be giving the government the right to determine people's future. But what about an individual's right to determine their own future, Brian Flanagan?
10: Yes, well, it's, there's more than one person involved in a marriage, Minister. There's the children, and you, you know the effect uh, that weakening the institution has already had from 1986 to now. It's gone from 40,000 separated to 300,000. You weaken the institution of marriage, you weaken all aspects of people's commitment to it. And, and 50%, at least, of, of broken marriages and divorces could be saved with a little bit of help. Uh, there's no conflict and high conflict. Obviously, high conflict, they've got to be separated. But when there's no conflict, at least half of them, some people don't even know their husband is going to divorce them with their wife. Uh, their children certainly don't know.
4: Okay, Minister, oh. Minister why, why two years?
9: Uh, well, I don't see an appetite uh, on the part of the public, nor indeed on the part of anybody who's working uh, at the coalface of what is a particularly sensitive and delicate, and personal, and difficult issue. So, what we have said is, if the people decide to remove the time frame for the constitution, that's what—that's all we're asking people to do. Uh, that we will follow on here in the door again by way of consensus, and that we would vote to to uh, keep a two-year period rather than wipe it out. I think it's important uh, that 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 uh, we acknowledge that rather than what Brian has said taking rights from people. We are ensuring uh, that the trauma and upset that's that's visited upon families can be minimised. We've seen many cases. We've spoken to people directly involved. We've spoken to advocacy uh, groups. Uh, people who've been working in this area, uh, they're all of the view that what's happening under the current regime, that four-year period is a particularly long period, especially when arrangements have been arrived at pretty early on. And I have to say, just in response to Brian, um, in support of what he says about ensuring uh, that, that, that uh, divorce is not easily obtained, that we will still have in the Constitution, that no divorce can be granted to anybody in this country without it being made a court order. And in order to achieve a court order, one has to prove to the satisfaction of the court that the marriage uh, has has, uh, irreconcilably broken down, and there must be adequate provision for spouse and children. These will remain part and parcel of our constitution, so people need have no fear. OK,
4: let Brian Flanagan respond uh, to that, if you
10: uh, well Minister, listen, if the so. if government cared two hoots about marriage, they wouldn't be removing support, financial support, for marriage support organisations, as they did just recently in Cork. One in five kids at the moment live in one-parent families. Uh, is that not trauma? and and that huge uh, cause of truancy and abuse of girls with a second partner and so on. The the cost of of, of divorce in England at the moment is 20 quid per week per taxpayer. I mean, this is easily available, uh, these statistics. The the academics in England are very, very worried about the breakdown of social fabric due to divorce and, and so on. So we've got to build up the institution of marriage.
4: But are you arguing that we should delay the inevitable, Brian?
10: No, I'm saying we should uh, certainly not make it worse. Uh, the, but the as the minister said,
4: if the court has determined that the marriage has broken down and that it is irreconcilable, uh, well, then surely it's inevitable that the people will divorce.
10: Uh, yeah, well, what we're saying is that by reducing it to two years, you're further weakening the, the preparation and the commitment of people going into the institution. Easy in, Easy out. I mean, most people in England now, the majority in England, are not getting married at all. So, uh, you you know, the the, the incidence of physical abuse is much higher in in, uh, people uh, living together than in people married. And, of course, all the other attendant problems. uh, uh, This is weakening the institution, and that's a daft thing to do. Is that what
4: you're promoting, Minister?
10: Uh, the government no, should be I, interested I in ex- the health, the wealth, and the well-being of its people. The okay. health, the wealth, and the well-being of its
4: people. Brian, we can let the minister just to respond to there now. Min- minister? Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah. No, I, I, um, I don't believe uh, that this is going to uh, give rise to uh, an increase uh, in the number of divorces. Uh, the figures uh, over the past number of years have been broadly similar. Uh, I don't anticipate an increase. We're running at about 3,000 divorces a year. Uh, these are all situations um, of great sensitivity where marriages just don't work but out. I, I think, Minister, what he said number number was that you would
4: devalue the institution of marriage and the people would live together and no. become physically violent against each other as a result.
9: No, well, again, you know, there is a strong body uh, of criminal law against violence uh, within the marriage at home or outside This question that we're asking people on Friday, the referendum, it's a caring measure. It acknowledges the fact that people going through the trauma of separation and divorce have some difficulties. They have financial distress. They have emotional distress. And really, the referendum is a response to that in order to do no more
10: than to reduce the
9: waiting period involved.
4: Okay. and the final word to Brian Flanagan.
10: Yes, well, I fail to see how the Minister's logic uh, doesn't uh, lead to bringing it down, as they're going to do in England shortly, by all accounts, bring it down to six months. I don't see how the Minister is ever going to stop uh, the constant drift uh, to to wiping out the institution, basically. And, and that leaves... leaves uh, leaves every aspect, every partner, uh, the children and the spouses, uh, defenceless okay. uh, when it, uh, in a foundational uh, aspect of life, getting well, married.
4: Thank you both for making your different arguments with us uh, this morning. Brian Flanagan is a spokesperson for the Catholic Association and Charlie Flanagan is uh, the Minister for Justice and Equality.
3: Michael, Michael Reed on,
4: on LMFM. On Friday you're being asked to vote in the local and European elections as well as a referendum on divorce. Our local election pre-election coverage features debates with candidates from each of the local areas every day in the run-up to polling day and we're hoping to speak to as many local election candidates as possible. In fact as we go into our last debate I think we'll have spoken to about half of all of the people who have put their names forward. They'll larger political party selected so the candidates to put forward or asked LMFM to select those candidates for them by holding draws while independents and others have been chosen to participate through draws. Today in our last local election debate we'll hear from four candidates in the RD electoral area each of whom will hope to take one of the six available seats. After the, the break we'll be debating the issues with Finn McCoy of Finnegale, Gael, Finta Malone of Fianna Fáil, Kevin Carroll an independent candidate and Albert Byrne, who's also an independent candidate.
3: Michael, Michael
4: Reed on, on LMFM So for our last local election, pre-election debate we're joined by four candidates in the RD electoral area Finna McCoy of Finn and Gale, Finta Malone of Fianna Fáil Kevin Carroll, an independent candidate and Albert Byrne who's also an independent candidate. Good morning to all of you and thanks for coming in to us Normal. today yeah. uh, None of uh, the candidates with us hold office at the moment but two previously did uh, so we'll speak uh, with Uh, The first-time candidates who are with us uh, this morning, at least. Uh, I think you're a first-time candidate, Albert Byrne.
7: uh, I I ran before 10 years ago.
4: Okay, all right. uh, On
7: the same platform.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, tell us a a little bit about why you're deciding. What is your platform? Why why have you decided to run? uh, And uh, what uh, do you hope to achieve through this?
7: Okay, so I believe in a fair and just society that protects the civil rights of its people. Uh, and I've came from a difficult uh, background and that has been kind of part of my credo in life. And I think as things stands in this country, we don't actually enjoy full civil rights, nor do we have a just society. Because for one thing, uh, the Guardi, uh, who many are very fine people, we see very good things happening with the new commissioner, are able to withhold or do not uh, withhold assistance to people who are defending their cases. For example, uh, if we need uh, phone evidence, they can withhold it to the point where the evidence is no longer available. Uh, they can also go into court and have no record of, of, of people appearing at their station. So I think that's one area where we need more transparency. We need reform. We also need it in local government. We've seen from the bailouts how uh, we have had a rise in social unrest and in suicides and uh, other types of... Uh, social anxiety uh, so my mm-hmm. platform is to do with uh, bringing into place in the, in the County Council the recommendations of Transparency International which has mm-hmm. raised 30 points in, th- in the National Integrity Index which covered such things as planning councillor expenses um, and et- various ethical considerations such as uh, councillors uh, putting their vested interests online mm-hmm. and so on so that we c- together we can restore Uh, Faith in our democracy and create uh, a safer and more just society. Uh, And forgive me, I think I do
4: remember speaking to you about a decade ago, am I right? Uh, No,
7: no, at the time, I I don't think so. Okay, but
4: uh, you did stand. uh, I did on the same platform, yes. Yes. Uh, We get very little time, uh, as you know, before we go on air, but uh, thanks uh, for that. Uh, Kevin, Carl, uh, have you stood
11: before? No, I haven't stood before, and good morning. Good morning to you. And the reason being I'm standing is very simply because I don't think the present candidates represent my communities because mm. our communities have changed aspects have changed and that's why I'm standing first time candidate and put my name forward
4: mm-hmm. OK and why so?
11: Well there's a number of reasons it can be as simple as and it's a big thing for Tommy in Reestown. and Tommy in Reestown wants a bus service there because he'll have to drive out there the mm. CIE bus doesn't stop there in Reestown and he'll have to pack the car there all day while he's on the bus but then there is Wollenstown closure always affects a, a big, the community around there and is a big, big, big problem for those people. Mm. For instance, there now we'll have to, when that closure comes in, as it presently is, they will have to drive around to black people, that, that know the area, turn right there, drive on to Kirkston, go by two roundabouts to get back in the RD. In fact, some of them are saying if there's nothing changing, they'll just simply drive. Carrick McCross to do the business okay. and then there is other facilities in the area Sean McDamme club which provides mm. good facilities and of course our Celtic that access to there is is hampered mm. so that's a big thing
4: Okay, and no doubt we'll talk a a little bit more about uh, the relationship with Carrick McCross uh, later in in our discussion. But let me go to Fintan Malone if I I can, because you're no stranger to politics, uh, but it's a while since you've held office. And uh, I think a lot of things have changed since. I mean, if we look at what has happened down the Boat overnight, and uh, the latest killing, a uh, fellow shot in the head, it seems, and uh, a number of times, uh, and then the car burned out, and that sort of thing. What do you make of that kind of thing now?
12: Uh, it's something that is not a good publicity for the Midland area. As you're aware, I have been mm. in uh, politics for quite a while. I, I served on the RD Town Council for 29 years until it was abolished. I had the privilege mm. to serve the people of of RD area, and that. Uh, Many developments have taken place in Rd, Mm. positive positive developments. Well, what about this kind of development, though? Because this
4: uh, is a a relatively rural area down the road from us here. We see this type of of thing locally. It's uh, reached into our day. the drugs, the gangs, the guns and the killings.
12: Well, it's something that... uh, if, if we may we could, uh, could we speak to about the positive things about RD, what, what we've done in RRD uh, over the years uh, Finn and myself left in the RRD town council and as a, a body we said as a, as a group at one time the late uh, Tony Buck, that was a uh, councillor in RD said after the election we're all here together to work for the town so we feel that that's what we should be doing is working for the RD, Mid-Loud and West-Loud communities because been, we were being, feel that we've been left behind and that in RD, over that uh, twenty in uh, twenty nine years that I served on the town council, uh, we uh, fire station was a big issue at the time. We got the fire station. The library was another big issue that we got at the time. The introduction of uh, housing, uh, county council housing. We went on a deputation. We were told at the time, oh RD, town council, that our town commissioner, as it was then, that we couldn't get housing. Mm. RRD, the RD Town Council may forget about going to the Minister but to help of Seamus Kirk we had a deputation to meet the Minister and we went to the meet the Minister and we outlined what the position was that we need uh, housing for RD and through that we got housing this is what lo- uh, local councils as a body, as a group okay. can okay. perform and if we well can right. fight together
4: can continue to have a housing problem uh, now doubt uh, we'll talk about housing before we finish up Philip uh, uh, McCoy uh, it's a while since we've seen you as well. Uh, you held office for many years, and uh, I suppose, uh, like Fenton, things have changed since uh, you were last a, a councillor. What do you make of uh, the incident uh, that happened overnight?
13: Uh, well, I, I condemn anything like that. Mm. I agree 100% with Fenton. You know, I, I, you know, I also feel that uh, like the work that Fenton and myself did, I was on the town council for 35 mm. years, and we weren't contact with the locals all the time and they'd love to pull the sleeve of your coat and say Come here. such and such is happening and uh, mm. and I think it was the biggest mistake that Phil Hogan did at the time was to do away with, with uh, local they should be brought back because people like to meet a councillor on the street even to to tell them that, that there's a young fella speeding or there's someone speeding here or there's someone breaking trees here and that, you know what I mean but uh, I honestly feel that uh, things has changed big time mm. and you know, uh, I know we're building a lot of houses in Already at the moment and I know there's another four or 500 coming on stream mm. uh, over the next couple of years Now, Well that's the
4: thing isn't it, I mean uh, there's more houses, there's more people there's more serious crime people are living in fear, it's not just a, a case of seeing a councillor to talk about a fellow swinging out of a, a tree people
13: are, are, are very afraid Surely, and I have to say that I made representation, all the councillors who lost their seats in the last local elections, it was, I think it was 120 of us, that we were all up in, in uh, government mm-hmm. buildings. And I actually pulled the Minister of Justice, Charlie Flanagan, over to one side to tell him, I actually had my ear to the ground, I was listening to other people telling me, and I got information that mm-hmm. the Garda in Drogheda was understaffed big time, and mm-hmm. I said it to him. And I said, watch what's happening there. Now, this was last June. That's... Uh, 11 months ago is anybody and else I, concerned about the level of crime in rd yes i think it's 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 an
7: indication of uh, the fallout from the bank bailouts which goes back to in, in, in lack of governance whereby uh, money has been handed back to financial institutions no, burn, and burn. Uh, you think it's because of the Bank bailout. Yeah, because you've got drug gangs. Yeah, well, I I think it's all a consequence. Mm. Uh, I mean, because if you have $150 or whatever it is of debt, uh, you've created extreme pressure in society, which is causing alienation in families, which in turn is leading on to drug use, which in turn is leading on to people selling drugs to pay for their debt, Mm. and so on. So it it may not be the only factor, but it certainly is a factor. What do you think, Kevin?
11: Well, we are all very concerned about that mm. incident and, and when you see all the state agencies struggling with the problems we have around Drogheda mm. and when you come to RD and around that area but we have seen big changes when you're knocking on doors people don't know their neighbours communities are breaking down and people are not buying into the community and this is why I'm seeing a big disconnect between communities and the Lake County Council executive mm. they're not buying in they're not part of the, they're not part of the solution and, um, like, I'd like to distinguish that, that mm-hmm. the major crimes, the antisocial behaviour. But my my information, talking to secretaries of football clubs, that anti social cl- uh, behaviour in rural, in rural Midland, mm-hmm. is very low. It's very low. And I'd be talking to an awful lot, I'd be talking to 10 different mm-hmm. all around. And, of course, in RD, I was talking to the to the members of the clubs around Addy is very low and I went to talk to the Gardaí in Addy and they're saying that although there's some antisocial behaviour in certain states mm. but they would term it low. Maybe
4: it's the price of progress the price of growth and uh, with growth uh, comes other challenges uh, and the bypass uh, is uh, one of uh, the great achievements in terms of the challenges for the growth of R D, and uh, but with it comes other
12: problems Fintamilou. Uh, just in relation to that uh, last week last Wednesday there was a meeting over in Dunlear and it outlines all the, the difficulties and the problems that with drug related uh, within the whole uh, Midland area mm. and that it's not only Drought and Dock uh, the big orbans but we have it spread across our towns and villages and that when a meeting with the superintendent one of the big issues which I raised at that particular meeting was the area garrison Station not being open on regular hours and he assures me that he's going to try to uh, if I may present that to you mm-hmm. that uh, these are the new hours for the new uh, that he hopes to be able to open the the offices uh, uh, the barracks in r d but what the b- uh, big problem is he says that he 's looking for uh, more staff civilian staff that maybe uh, would be able to manage and that uh, he 'd be able okay. to keep it open between nine and, and five and actually uh, guard Shakana in the uh, in the mid loud mm. area. That okay, he, uh, let's, load, uh, uh, load let's move on Malden to the Colin.
4: bypass, if we can, Vinton, yeah. uh, because uh, I, I think uh, there's a, a, a lot of um, people who are, are, are very happy uh, that uh, eventually this has been achieved, but there is some disquiet, Finn McCoy.
13: Yeah, uh, the by- we need the bypass big time. Like, when I was on the kind council, mm. we had the bypass on the agenda every month and until but is it going to annex
4: some of the residents?
13: It's, it's not fair what's happening in Mullinstown? Mm. As far as I'm concerned, mm. and I actually had a public meeting. I asked for the, the county engineer to resign because as far as what I was getting out of uh, what was happening, listening to the other councillors on, on your own programme here mm. and this and I was picking up this and the other, that Frank McGee said that he couldn't uh, change the plan and yet he expects people... He's after change in this part of the plan mm. where he expects people to come to the cul-de-sac to walk up a, a bank, mm-hmm. man, maybe with the steps, have a, a lady there maybe with three children, one in each hand and one there, and say, we're, we're ready to go. Mm. She could be short-sighted to, go on, to pass on to the other side of the cul-de-sac to catch a bus for school. Now, the whole thing about is this. This was a, a joint venture between Meade and County Loud. Mm. Now, in the last ten weeks... Mead County Council has bought land of three different farmers because they made a mess of Manistown Cross. So they've changed the plan there, and they can't change the plan for Mullenstown or Cool or Towns Park. So at the end of the day, I think it would cost in the region of eight hundred thousand for an over uh, drive over the. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, but I mean, it's not fair. I live. I my mother. Lord emotionalal came from Mulinstown. I was raised in Mulinstown with my grandmother on and off. And I know exactly the community, but to drive people from Mullinstown mm. back down to Black over to Cookstown Cross and uh, as, as Kevin I mean, said I
4: suppose you could go the whole way I mean Donald Trump is coming here I think on the 5th of June uh, and maybe we could uh, follow his example and build a, a wall through RG would that be an <laughs> well, idea well look,
11: look look, look i uh. Finn and I'm glad the county manager didn't resign mm. because the, the rest. not the
13: county manager the county
11: engineer yeah they had a very positive meeting with them when during is that? the week when was
13: that and uh,
11: they put they put Proposals there just a couple of days ago. I
13: ah, was well then, and then m- they put sorry, well they put be proposals bit because well, I said this about four weeks ago. Well, hold well, on, h- so, so let mm.
11: me please speak.
4: Okay, please. Kevin Carreth, right.
11: uh, That they have come up with proposals now. The residents have put the proposals, they've done the hard work, they've done the research, and in Tents Park, they're, 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 they're putting an underpass, and in Mullinstown, they're going to have and they're putting the proposal mm. in the roundabout or a strike Sorry, jumpsuit. that's
7: not correct. This is what they've requested. It hasn't been confirmed. Oh, yes, of there. course. But they have a confirmed. very
11: positive meeting, and there's a follow-up meeting. Mm. Uh, before this, no, they couldn't do, no, Sorry. No, can I say? Before that, they, wouldn't, they, wouldn't, they weren't allowed. They didn't get even talking to anyone. And now the next thing about this meeting, they have a follow-up meeting in June. So uh, I was talking to the representatives, which I live... Said mm. and they were positive and a wee bit hopeful.
7: They yes, hopeful, but, yes. Yeah, but
11: that's, and, that, that, that's, that's far and realistic, from the solution. And the realistic uh, Albert Byrne come back yeah. there. I
7: mm-hmm. spoke to the, to the engineer who said that it wasn't possible to change the plan without having a new uh, proposal, and we'd have to go through the whole loops and, and whatever. And then I spoke to the residents. Well,
4: you, you'd have the planning process. Uh, the, that's the, that, right? Yeah, that's uh, what the engineer uh, is and saying. And then
7: you'd also be talking about funding and exactly. other parts mm-hmm. and around about exactly. very expensive Exactly, projects, mm-hmm. and it's actually ridiculous mm-hmm. because what they're doing is they're Cutting off the heritage that RD is defined by. We often go around the bog, many people who live in the area, people go in and out of the town, and they're talking about cutting that off. That's not social cohesion. That is the basis of social uh, uh, disorder and, and the, the reasons why we have drug problems and other problems in our society. So I think for the council to go, for, for the road planning authority to go ahead and build a road that there's no excuse where, where we can't make amendments is antisocial and it's not what we need in our community. Let well, on this. Uh, yeah.
12: Just coming in on that matter, uh, Finnin will be well aware of it. It's 20 years ago uh, when the NRA came to Ardee Town Council or Town Commissioners meeting, and they stated that there was two bypasses for Ardee, mm. the western and the eastern bypass, and that the two of them were married together. That if the western bypass goes ahead, that there has to be a regeneration package for the town uh, for the town of Ardee that bring uh, people into the town of Ardee. Will R&D. this be a regeneration for the town of Carrickmacross? And, but it, it's badly needed. And what it's will, it,
4: will, will, it, will it end up being a, a regeneration? Yes, yeah, um, it will. Yes, yeah. well, exactly. because, for Cross, because you'll be sending people exactly, to Carrickmacross.
12: Cross. Correct. No, uh, what, what we should be looking at is that uh, uh, it's an East, uh, as well as the Western Bypass, it's the Eastern Bypass. Mm. Uh, some time ago, there was uh, a mission in for uh, the Eastern Bypass, which would bypass RD, uh, Cullen and Slane. And bring it uh, straight up, uh, up onto at the pillow in Ashburn. At that, uh, that uh, would have uh, was got to go ahead, but unfortunately, there were objections to that, and that uh, when the objections. Went so, in, so here we are. But it's not hmm. where we, where we are because if what we have in uh, in RD at at the present time. That uh, we have uh, traffic congestion, we have big articulated lorries coming mm. through the town. It's holding well, up the. Tra- it's holding I, up. The I traffic. think everybody agrees with that, don't yeah. they? If this goes if this goes ahead, but just, if we get the regener- yeah. Uh, yeah. if we can get the yeah. heavy goods vehicles off the town, that you're going to have the traffic movement. Okay. So F- Michael. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, we did a
13: job on, on the on the main street of Ardley last mm. year, a quarter of it, and the contract was supposed to start the first week in September. That's nine months ago to finish the rest of it, because the whole street's breaking up because of the heavy lorries. I I requested, when I was in the council just before I'd finished, five years ago, that the lorries, coming from Slane Cullen direction, would be diverted at Daly's Cross if they wanted to miss the toll, fair enough, put them back onto the motorway and mm-hmm. let them go round again. But still, we, we've the same problem as coming up the town, heading for Kells, a... Uh, 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 it's coming down the drop of the road from Stain Cullen. Mm-hmm. It's you know I, and I, I think they should be diverted actually on at the at Hunterstown across onto the eastern side of the of the Okay, okay.
4: let Cabin Carroll come in there. Well
13: Brilliant. well there is other aspects
4: mm.
11: we'd like to talk about and of course that's another the aspect is St. Joseph's Hospital.
7: Okay, well, well yeah. we just stay with the bypass for a moment. Uh, Albert Byrne. Well, I, I, if, you, if I can mention that we have a third of cars in RD that are parked all day, and we have a lot of space next to Super Value that could be used to park and ride. And I think that the whole parking situation is part of the problem as well. But we definitely need the bypass. And unless these changes come in, I think it's it's it really is a, a slap in the face to the people. All right, uh, let's, let's talk a, a about the
4: castle, because there are a lot of ideas of how to develop uh, the castle in uh, the last debate which we had with candidates uh, from RD. Uh, what are your thoughts, Fintamilour?
12: Uh, there again, uh, here Harper and back and the RD Town Council and uh, Town Commissioners. Uh, up until 2014, uh, before the RD Town Council was abolished, that 650,000 was uh, earmarked for the castle and that uh, Fingal uh, engineers and architects were uh, drafted in to draw up a plan and as I, at that time I was chairman of that. Mm, but there's a couple of a million uh, being allocated to it now so what should be done with it? Can I, please, uh, can I just continue that in that period of time that uh, since that there was six, uh, 650,000 there was a plan drawn up mm. and that it was Jimmy Rose House which is attached to it, at the at the time said that, and the uh, uh, that there couldn't be uh, a lift brought into the castle because uh, with the structure of it. But uh, in Jimmy Rose's house, there was council, uh, there was uh, uh, judges' chambers, and that they could go in up and into it, so mm. we could put a lift to bring it up to the uh, second story. Okay, but, but if can you liked
4: this time, Flinton, What would you like to see done with the castle?
12: Other than, uh, with, the, with the castle itself, just uh, 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 their artifacts. That from our, our area is spread right across the the whole uh, country. Mm. We have the Joe Dolan papers. We have t- uh, we have two ten bases. We have Charles. Well, should it be turned into a hotel? It shouldn't be turned into a hotel. What well, it should be, there. we have a museum there. That. Uh, to, uh, as we were talking there about the bypass mm. of RD and the regeneration packet, we need something to be attractive to bring people mm. into RD. A museum to turn the castle into a museum? No, the, uh, that mm. was uh, the original plan. Yes, what should be done with the castle? And that uh, visitors could come into RD, mm. and uh, on that plan, was, as we know with health and safety, people mm. are not allowed to get up onto the top of the castle, okay. but from the, uh, from the ground, they'd have uh, cameras viewing cameras, that you could circulate from okay. them and that visitors could come in and look around. That's exactly what, mm. I, I mm. suggested mm.
13: that to mm. one of the engineers when, when the, the castle was being mm. held up, uh, being reformished and all that. And he said that was a brilliant idea. Mm. You know, It would help people in wheelchairs, you could use this camera from downstairs, you could look around the whole town. Because at the end of the day, to go up to the top of the castle, it doesn't suit everybody. Jimmy Rose House, Godrum, that was, uh, there's plans there for a, a tourist office and I thought that and there was a new kitchen put in mm. uh, there's actually fridges stand up fridges mm. cost about eight to 12,000 euros in plastic in the castle it's just like everything else like the railings around it that cost between fifteen and 20,000 uh, in rent -hmm. And that's that's where the ratepayers' money is going in this county. Okay, Kevin Carroll, what would you do with the castle? You
4: you were talking about bringing a traditional music festival, I I think, to our. Yes,
11: we we badly need it, and that would be a great place. Would it be a venue for something like that? Yes, you can't now build something and just leave it there. You have to be something living, a living museum, something Mm -hmm. that has a reality to the people that's living in the community, like weddings and all the rest. Mm -hmm. But what I'd be saying, we need a local trust. To get involved in all aspects of this, so that there's a link between the Lead County Council and the people of R.D. But at the moment, at the moment, we have a situation that we are we are dependent on uh, newspaper headlines. As we've seen uh, during the week, and the start of that uh, newspaper, you, you take a music
7: venue or something like that. Everything, mm. okay. Yes, Albert Berm, what
11: would you do with the castle? Well, well,
7: I think it's got to be the centre of our heritage in the area where, where tourists can come. They are orientated in terms of walking groups or whatever. We could bring in locals to get involved in, in giving walking tours. There's all kinds of things. The area is steeped in history, and the castle should be uh, utilised in the, in the best possible way to exploit all of that. Okay, maybe you'd uh, continue by wrapping up for. A uh, and telling us uh, why you'd like people to vote number one for Albert Byrne on Friday. OK, thank you very much, Michael. I, I have a vision of a just and fair society that uh, protects people from the abuse of power and corruption uh, and that ex- exploits a system that's really not... Fit- fit for purpose. So I believe that through reform and transparency we can put an end to socialising debt and privatising profits so ordinary people can regain their trust in our democratic process. Thank you. Okay, Kevin Carroll, maybe you'd wrap up for us. Well, of
11: course I will wrap up fairly quickly, but I'd like to say that, you know, vote for Kevin Carroll. You know how he feels about aspects of RDE. I li- but I also live in rural middle East, and I know how it is to live in the country, and all the challenges that people have lived in the country. At the moment now, like broadband, in the situation for man from all the crew, the broadband comes about 20 yards from one direction. They will not come to Haw and 500 yards the other direction. And there the families, in, uh, there the people involved in between have no broadband. But one thing, when all these posters are coming down, these political parties mm-hmm. have a poster on every pole out the country. They littered it. Kevin Carr will be in your community. Kevin Carr will be out refereeing, in in Minham, Loud Village, Stavannen, uh, Ballabelia, uh, Castle Bellingham. Everywhere. Well, no, if I <laughs> okay. miss out well, one, oh, if right, I okay. don't say yeah. Ballygassan, Leah, Phillips Town, Thanks, uh, Hunters okay, Town, everywhere. and yeah, the three yeah, and yeah, Colin yeah. and the three teams in the parish of
12: course, Sean Kevin, High Rangers.
11: Thanks very much, Kevin. And the
12: okay,
4: uh, uh, and Fintan Malone, last word.
12: Michael, if I, if I may, just before we mm. wrap up, there was a young gentleman in RD and that he'd like you to read out that letter for the services that, uh, 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 that has been abandoned in RD and he would love to hear, hear it uh, for the sake of the programme it's, it's wiped off and columns, okay. we'll columns call, uh, call him, uh, Stephen for the time being that he he feels that his service has uh, okay. been abolished. Well, uh, for I, I, believe,
4: I, I believe the two million euro has been found for rehab care. Uh, okay, uh, but uh,
12: just as, fin- as Fintam alone, I served on the town uh, for, on the Arie Town Council for uh, for twenty nine years. I feel that if I was elected onto the onto the county council, that I'd be able to represent the local community. By uh, by going full time as a councillor, not a part time councillor, but a full time councillor, and providing clinics for people in their areas, I'd love to be able to serve these okay. people and meet them people on a regular basis, not going away for four years and coming back in five years. Or I'm the people, but for, uh, go to, out to the people into clinics.
4: Thanks very much. And final words
13: uh, to. Well, I, inquiry, I just I like to remind the other people who was canvassing five years ago all the promises they made. Uh, what what I would follow through on the likes of. Uh, the porta cabins above in Ballapost the school—it's—it's it's absolutely disgusting. That teachers have to go out there and and, and, and uh, through the winter teaching these and and uh, the educate together. Nardie, there was promise a school five six years ago. It still hasn't come. Uh, toilets on the fair green where there's two or three hundred children there playing on the weekends and nowhere to go to a toilet and we spent about 400,000 apparatus there uh, I would encourage someone to come to RD and build a hotel and that would be the anchor and And maybe as I said time and time again and uh, we did a visibility study when Fintan and myself was on the town council for uh, the, the hospital uh, for RD and okay the jobs that I would create and it would set Ardy off because Drogheda and Dundalk was pulling out of us all the time and as we said earlier on if you go to Cookstown you're going to turn and go to carry across okay. it there in ten minutes, and are losing thousands and thousands every week. All right, people but, listen.
4: Thanks to each of you for coming in and uh, for joining us for our last debate. I hope, if nothing else, people will go out and vote on Friday, regardless of who they vote for. Our debate was filmed on Facebook Live. If you want to give a nod to your supporters as we say goodbye, and thank you to Finn and McCoy of Finnegale, Finta Malone of Fall, Kevin Carroll an independent candidate, and Albert Byrne an independent candidate, all in the RD electoral area. Michael Reed on, on LMFM. We'll have two separate European election debates tomorrow. All in all, eight candidates, four around the table for each of the debates and that will be the very last canvas before you go out to vote on Friday. But as we come to the closing stages of the campaign, we're trying to give as much time to as many of the parties as possible. And local TD, Peter Tobin, won't be running in in the local elections, nor will he be running in the European elections, but he is uh, the leader of a new political party called ain 2 uh, and he'll be hoping for some results on Friday. Good morning to you, Tobin, and thanks Good for morning. joining us. Uh, what is your expectation at this stage?
2: Well, first of all, it's been an incredible journey. Fifteen weeks ago, ain 2 didn't exist, and we have built a national organisation throughout the 32 counties of Ireland in that period of time. Thousands of people have joined us. We have selected 70 candidates across the country. Um, Many people from a Fianna Fáil background, a Sinn Féin background, are furious with regards to the damage uh, that their leadership are doing to their core values and they're coming to us uh, in numbers. And I've been on the doors across Mead in in the last uh, number of weeks and people are furious that there doesn't seem to be any funding for key services here in Mead. And yet Fianna Gael are happy to bury billions of euros under the Children's Hospital, to bury billions of euros uh, underneath the National Broadband Plan. And the most Uh, The issue that's really annoying people, that's making people phenomenally angry across the country, is the fact that there's no accountability in Leinster House at all. So all the political parties huff and puff and they give out and there's theatre in the doll, but nobody ever loses their job. Nobody ever is held to account... And that's what we're trying to do in aim too, So you're I'm hoping about- that
4: people will cast their vote based on national policies and national politics rather than the issue at hand, which is local policies and well, local politics?
2: Unfortunately, unfortunately, both of them are interlinked. So we have a, a county that has the highest commuter rate in the country, and yet we have the biggest town with no rail line in the country. And we have a bus service that's incredibly poor. We have a, a serious lack of jobs in the county, and most people have to battle traffic for about two or three hours a day uh, to get to their jobs in, in Dublin and elsewhere. Mm. We have the lowest mental health investment uh, in the country. We have one of the lowest recreational investments in the country. Every time we and me try to seek we get the funding we need for local community services, central government tells us there's simply not enough money for us. And that's why we're putting up candidates such as Emer Tobin in, in Navin, uh, Peter Devon in the Kells area, um, that we're putting Peter Whelan in the Stane area, and uh, Joseph Chush in the Ashburn area. And, and many candidates in, in, in stood
4: in, in the north, uh, but I think you just had one councillor return there, was it?
2: We had a phenomenal result in, in, in the north of Ireland. In, in the heart of West Belfast, on places like the Falls Road, a first time candidate in a first time political party took 750 votes off the political establishment up there. In another constituency in West Belfast, we took 680 votes in our first time out. In Armagh, we took 822 mm. votes but one election, in, wasn't in it? Armagh these are wonderful results and are building foundations for future development. Uh, And I I can tell you, because I canvassed in the North three days before the elections and still 50% of the people didn't know who we were in the North of Ireland. And yet we got that massive result uh, on the day. And I know things are going to do better in the South. We're far better known. uh, And people are, are furious with regards to the political like establishments here. So we have a chance, I believe, uh, to build a political movement that's going to change this country for generations. Aim to we're not looking to fiddle around the edges. We're not looking to change the deck chairs on a sinking uh, political culture. We're, we're looking to actually build a, a political party that has people with backbone, that will stand up for their local communities, Stand up for what they believe in, and also make sure that we have a decent functioning country okay. in Ireland.
4: Well, thank you indeed uh, for telling us and for joining us uh, this morning, Pádraig Tobin, the leader of the AIN2 Party. Now let's find out what you've been saying to us, or some of the things that you've been saying to us in the short time that we have. Marie Kearns is here with some of the columns. Uh, thanks uh, for coming back.
8: Yes, we've had some reaction just to the interview or to the election debate. There, Sharon says RD needs to get a better share of the divides in the county. It's always a about Dundalk and Drogheda. Do away with the tolls for HGVs on the M1 and you will have less trucks in RD, says a texter. Margaret was in touch and says the city-town rural divide even affects the elections. We had one candidate at our door, The rest came through the letterbox. I don't think Mm. they physically came through the letterbox. I'm assuming it's their literature. (laughs) Somewhat fit
4: easier than others, of course.
8: Um, (laughs) Their literature came through the letterbox, I'm assuming, Margaret. But anyway, not good enough, says Margaret. Years ago, if they wanted a vote from you, they came to your door. Now they don't want to face the electorate, but want your vote. They need to earn your vote. So a no-show is a no-vote here except for one person. A lot of people are saying mm. that, aren't they, yeah, in the text, yeah, yeah, that they want to, to see people case, at yeah. the doorstep. Mm. Others would avoid them at all costs. Mm. Um, moving then to the interview at the top of the show with Mihal Martin. Uh, Kevin, how can we trust Fianna Fáil? We don't know if they are in government or in opposition. Sticking with that theme, Tim says, the problem with Fianna Fáil at the moment is that unless they distance themselves from Fine Gael, they can never be seen as real opposition. Another listener, Tom, got in touch to say that feels that this is crunch time for Michal Martin. A lot will depend on the results in the local elections and indeed the European elections, whether he'll still be leader in a couple of months. Okay. So there you go. On the divorce uh, referendum debate, uh, Eric. from Dundalk text to say divorce should be granted immediately. No waiting time. People are grown up and know what they are doing. Patricia says if a couple have got married and are committed to spending their life together, asking them to wait four years before divorcing makes sense to me. Sometimes when people take a break from each other, realise what they are missing says Patricia. Mm -hmm. We had an email from David and he disagrees with Charlie Flanagan that the divorce referendum is a caring matter. As a divorced parent with two children I can honestly say that the longer the period of time between breakup and divorce proceedings the better for all involved. I'm sick of these so-called do-gooders interfering in something they've no personal experience of. How is shortening the period of time a caring matter? Says okay. David. Uh, and says that she totally agrees with reducing the amount of time in divorce cases. The current situation is outdated and leaves couples and families in limbo for years when it's unnecessary. Change the time frame and let people move on.
4: Okay. So I'll finish on right. that one. <laughs> Mixed views there. Thanks uh, for bringing them to us and thanks uh, to you listening for sharing them with us. If you'd like to add to what's been said, our telephone number is 1850 715
3: 958. Michael Reed.
4: Our pre-election coverage will conclude uh, tomorrow with uh, two big European election candidate uh, debates and uh, today we are trying to hear the last canvas from the parties themselves. Let's go uh, to the leader of uh, the Labour Party, Brendan Howland now. Good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, in the closing moments of uh, this campaign. What what, what are you saying to our listeners uh, about voting on Friday?
1: Well, obviously, I want people to vote, but I want people to come out and vote for the Labour Party candidates. In terms of the European elections, we've a draw a man standing. Dominic Hannigan is known to everybody in Louth, uh, represented Mead, um, knows every inch of it. And I canvassed uh, all over Louth with Dominic, uh, and I think he would be an extraordinary good representative. He chaired the European Affairs Committee, knows the issues of Europe intimately, and it would be bringing that experience as well as that enthusiasm uh, to the European Parliament at a time when it's really needed. In terms of the locals, um, the Labour Party is the party of local government. Um, We are the people who focus on the basics, housing, the quality of local government, play areas, clean streets, green spaces for children to play. And the record of people like Councillor Pio Smith, Councillor Paul Bell, our new candidates, Michelle Hall in Drogheda Rural and I, Knocked on doors in Terman Fekin only last week uh, with Michelle Hall. Uh, I've got a great response because people want uh, candidates of that calibre. In Meath, too, we've great candidates. Mm. Erin Byrne, Annie Hoy and Tracy McElhenny. So the quality of, uh, of the candidates, and we have a specific local agenda that we've sent out because we know what we want to do at local
4: level. All right. Uh, when you talk about somewhere like Thurman Flecken, uh, yep. it, it's hard to imagine anywhere nicer. It's a, a wonderful, lovely village full of beautiful uh, 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 infrastructure uh, uh, and uh, natural environment and a, a great community. But it's a, a place that has also been subjected uh, to gangland violence and petrol bombs and so on. You've undoubtedly heard about that in Drogheda as you canvassed uh, the town and we have this murder this morning or overnight. The... Uh, that uh, is like something out of Breaking Bad. What are your thoughts on what happened in Town?
1: Well, well, two things. Firstly, in terms of termin fecken uh, one of the things that struck me is a very basic thing, uh, and that is the, the, the lack of footpaths. You know, it's a busy road, and you walk between the big, big estate in termin fecken uh, I walked them with Michelle Hall, and there are no footpaths. You'd be taking your life in your hands. On the bigger issue of justice, I, as you probably know, have taken an interest in justice matters uh, since I was involved in looking for the reform of the Guards uh, after the Donegal inquiry. And I believe that we need to have a a transformation in the way the Guards deliver a service, and that means having um, community Guards back on the beat. We need the numbers back, but we need them visibly on the streets so that they can actually have the intelligence from the community quietly because people are intimidated and can be frightened of who's doing what, who's going where, uh, and we need to have the resources available for proper intelligence in the Garda uh, to crack these gangs. The gangs operating out of Drogheda and the, the gangs operating out of Dublin um, have to be tackled with the same resolve as the gangs that operated out of Limerick were tackled and smashed, uh, because communities deserve to have uh, the, the opportunity to live in peace and not to be fearful that if they're going about their normal duties, that they could be in the crossfire of these lethal thugs.
4: And on the brink of uh, selecting the next European Parliament, uh, what do you think of uh, Theresa May's position this morning, given that she's coming forward with uh, these new proposals that look set to be rejected?
1: Well, the bottom line is that the um, British politics has disintegrated into farce. uh, And it's shocking to watch, but it has really serious consequences for us. Um, obviously uh, any authority that the current British Prime Minister has has now evaporated. So it's very hard to see her delivering on anything. Uh, That in and of itself is bad. But when you think of what might follow her, um, a Boris Johnson figure, because it's likely if the Tories select somebody else, it will be somebody who is even a harder Brexiteer, Uh, than uh, the the current Prime Minister. Now that would be really difficult for all of us on this island, but particularly for those who live in border counties. And that's why we need people now to be elected to the European Parliament who are not amateurs. We need Dominic Hannigan, who has the experience, who has uh, contacts across the largest um, group, hopefully, after the election of the Socialist and Democrats group in the European Parliament. We'll certainly be the second largest uh, to have that clout uh, to be able to address whatever uh, the dysfunction in British politics throws up.
4: Okay, listen. Thank you indeed for joining us. My this great morning. pleasure. Thank you indeed, Brendan Helen, leader of the Labour Party. Now, before we finish up today, uh, we are going to speak to a politician, Thomas Byrne, who's a Finnofall TD. Uh, but you're joining us uh, this morning to speak on behalf of uh, the McConnell family, uh, Karen and Paul, and indeed uh, their thirteen-year-old son. Uh, tell us about the predicament that they find themselves in, if you will, please.
14: Uh, thanks, Michael, for having me on. I mean, the family have asked me and others to, to highlight this issue uh, that's ongoing now in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. And, and first I'd say there's no complaint about Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital whatsoever. Uh, their child is he's a, he's a lovely child. Um, I've met him. Uh, I've been in there. He, he, he really is, uh, has fallen through the cracks in, in the health service, and both the, both the health side uh, and, indeed, uh, disability services as well. And he badly needs... Uh, a placement. Uh, a hospital, despite the best efforts of, of staff there, is, is not what he needs at this particular time. Uh, he needs um, probably some sort of at least temporary residential care uh, and better support, I'd say, within the system in terms of various therapies that he requires. And he simply has fallen through the cracks. And I think the family are at um, a particularly difficult point in their lives, have to say, at the moment, in terms of uh, what, they're, what they're dealing with. As I say, he's a lovely, lovely child. Um, An autistic child
4: who needs a residential placement uh, but hasn't got one because there isn't a place. How long has he been in hospital?
14: He's been in the hospital, I'd say this is probably his 13th day now. Mm. And our lady of Lourdes and clearly, you know, for someone who doesn't really need to be in hospital at the moment, anyway, certainly had to be brought there at the time. His parents were very worried about him at the time. Um, but it's obviously a significant drain of resources there, but also it's it's not beneficial to the child as well. He needs to be out of there. And really, I know that it's been escalated now to the highest levels of the HSE, but someone needs to really just, you know, take a grip of this at a very high level and and sort it out. And what we're hearing as well, Michael, is that it's just one of a number of cases like this. Uh, that have transpired now in the last in, in recent times. where so parents, through the lack of services that are available, uh, really uh, resort to, to 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 other options such as hospitalisation, uh, which is which is not what's required in, in this case at all. And really, I'm simply hoping that someone will be listening to this. I'm certainly put it down mm-hmm. for a, a special debate in the doll today. We'll see if I get called for that. Um, and to, to, to try to highlight it, I know that others are too. But it, it, it really—they are just one of a number of families in desperate situations. There are a number of other families, in, you know, who are completely silent who haven't uh, had children in hospital, but still their children are falling through the cracks. And as I understand it, Michael, uh, this case has been ongoing with with CAMS, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, and with uh, Disability Services in Mead for quite some time. Uh, look, I've been in touch with senior management there as well, but I mean, this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, and the appropriate services simply haven't been available uh, to this child who, who, who badly needs them and badly needs them much more appropriate. Settings.
4: It's a story that is familiar to most of us, but with elderly people in particular who need nursing home care, uh, but there isn't a, a place for them and they end up staying in hospital. Uh, but uh, you believe this is an ongoing problem with uh, people with uh, intellectual disabilities, uh, as is the case here?
14: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's the, it's, it's, I think it's the first one that's come across my desk, but I mean, I did see media reports since then, like in, in the last day or two, where there are other reports of this in other hospitals. And, you know, we certainly know that if an elderly person's in hospital and, and staying on there, like generally speaking, they've gone in, there's been a reason why they've gone in or it's for end-of-life care that they need to go to a hospice or they, they just need to go to a nursing home but it's not hospital care. But in this case, it's a child, uh, and I can tell you it is, it is exactly the wrong place uh, for this child to be at this particular time um and it's, it's 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 not a case of overstaying michael it's simply a case of uh there is nothing else uh, for the child uh, and that badly needs to be rectified as soon as possible okay. as there was uh, a disability service in with them on Friday. afraid it was meant to be one there today that didn't uh, happen i'm very disappointed that i just heard that in the last half hour in terms of discussing the needs of the child with the parents uh, so i really am making this appeal to 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 disability service and i know that ministers have been informed as well and uh, that this that this would be sorted uh, and this child would be given uh, the appropriate services that he needs, and that the parents would um, g- get the relief that they need as a family as well. But I suppose most importantly, it's the needs of the child that we're concerned about here. And it's, you know, at a difficult, obviously, any child at, at the age of 12, early teens, it's mm-hmm. a difficult stage in their life. Uh, but I think particularly so if you're in a hospital where it's not the place that really it should be.
4: All right, so we leave it there. Thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning, Fianna Fáil TD. Thomas Byrne brings our programme to its conclusion today. Our time is up. A podcast of today's show will be available on our website, lmfm.ie. This afternoon, thanks to Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching, and Chris Murray in the Control Tower. I'm Michael. God willing, we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning. That'll be at 9 a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye.
2: The Michael Reid Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie.
3: MFM podcasts brought to you with Carrickmacross Credit Union. Getting hitched? Carrickmacross Credit Union likes to say "I do" when financing your wedding loan. O'Neill Street, Carrickmacross, or Carrickmacrosscu.ie. Hold up!
0: What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.